Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that is called to, deri- to rightly divide the Word of God for the people of God. Um, been a while since we've been together. I um, have been studying uh, quite a bit, but I've uh, been traveling a lot, doing my job and work and stuff. But today I'm going to pick up in Galatians chapter 3. Uh, we left off in verse number 28. So our last lesson together was in verse, we did Galatians 3, 20 through 28. So let's just read that for context and uh, and then just begin, get into chapter number 4. Um, the, I think the reason that I've been so hesitant moving forward is I just want to make sure that I completely grasp uh, for myself what's happening. And I have found that, of course, I'm bringing a lot of baggage to the table, just like I'm sure a lot of you do. Um, Things that I've been taught, uh, my mind has an automatic default setting that I go back to, um, that I have of course, began to question and even determined to be wrong, faulty. Um, So, you know, just moving forward, I want to make sure that I grasp and believe uh, that. And if at any point I'm not grasping it, or if any point I just can't get my hands around it and claim it for myself, then I'm going to stop, you know. So, this transition, and you'll see it in the pronouns um, as we work our way into chapter number four. So, so let's just go ahead and look at verse number 20 and um, work our way forward. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. And of course, we were talking about in Galatians chapter three, uh, what was the purpose of the law? Um, the law was added because of transgressions and until the Christ would come. Uh, in other words, the law acted as a preserver for the nation of Israel. And of course, he's comparing that with the promises that was given to Abraham some 400 years prior to the giving of the law. So what was the purpose of the law? If the promises were given to Abraham, what was the purpose of the law? Well, the purpose of the law was added because of transgressions until the Messiah should come. Uh, The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator, and of course we know that that mediator was Moses. Um, Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Now, of course, the promises of God is referring to the promises that were given to Abraham. And of course he says, I'm looking at the NIV, uh, forgive my heresy there, Uh, (laughs) um, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. Uh, For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness would have come by the law. Uh, In other words, righteousness was not... um, uh, He's referring to uh, when Abraham believed the promises that God gave him in the Abrahamic covenant, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. But the scripture hath concluded that everyone's under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, 
Forgive me there, Scott. I, 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 for some reason, I was comparing and contrasting the NIV for something the other day. <laughs> um, anyway, verse 23. Uh, don't get me all uh, confused here. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. In other words, the purpose of the law was to keep the nation shut up unto the faith, which should afterward be revealed in and through Christ. The term shut up unto the faith can also be translated imprisoned or confined unto the faith. In other words, they were controlled or under the law until Christ um, should come, until the seed should come. They were imprisoned or confined um, under the law until Christ could come. Uh, And His was the faith that made it possible for them to be released from that. Uh, Anyone that teaches that everyone has always been saved by grace through faith, I believe is confused. Um, They, the nation, were incapable of this kind of faith because it had been shut up to them until Christ should come. Now, I remember I used to teach that we have always been saved by faith. You know, those in the Old Testament were saved by faith looking to the cross. Those in the New Testament are saved by faith by looking back at the cross. Well, this verse directly refutes that. They were incapable of this kind of saving faith because they were confined to the law. And then he says in verse 24, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster, and our, I mean, he's still referring to the Jew, uh, it was the nation's schoolmaster, Uh, which was given to point them to Christ so that they might be, future tense, they might be justified um, by faith. So it was there, wherefore the law was our, the Jewish nation's schoolmaster, to bring us unto Christ that we might be, future tense, justified by faith. This, I believe, is one of the most misunderstood verses in all of the Bible, because we fail to recognize that the hour and the we is not referring to the body of Christ, but to the nation of Israel. The body of Christ has never been kept under the law. Never been kept under the law. The law was given to the nation of Israel to bring them to Christ so that they could be justified by faith one day once faith had come. Now notice in verse 25, but after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. The faith that was to come was through Christ, and the law is no longer their schoolmaster. Again, the law was simply to point them to Christ. The law was to preserve them for Christ. Obviously, that kind of faith was not prior to Christ. So again, you can't say they in the Old Testament they were saved by faith, just like we're saved by faith in the in the body of Christ. You can't say that based upon these verses. Now notice verse 26, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you has been baptized into Christ, you put on Christ. Note the change in pronouns, uh, ye, for ye all. It's not for we anymore. It's not for our anymore. He says for ye all. For you all have are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. He changes from the first person plural we to the second person plural ye. 
To me, that is the beauty of the King James translation. This is completely lost in the newer versions, um, which explains a lot. Um, um, so he's changing from the first person plural to the second person plural. He has been talking to the Jews since chapter 2, verse number 15, directly to them. In chapter 2, verse number 15, he says, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. And he's continued that line of thought all the way down until we get to here when he changes the pronouns. Uh, now he's including the Galatian Gentiles. Uh, the Galatian church was made up of both Jew and Gentile believers, uh, Jew and Gentile grace believers that, as we have already talked about, were being persuaded by the Judaizers to come back under the law. That's the whole premise. That's the whole argument that, that he is giving here in the book of Galatians. How can you begin in the spirit and finish in the flesh? Why, why are you doing this? Because the Judaizers were through ignorance or deception. It was deception. They came in as one of them. Um, and now, so he's talking to both Jewish and Galatian grace believers, both of whom must come by faith in Christ and not the law. By their collective faith, they had been baptized into Christ, and they had put on Christ apart from the law. And that baptism there is a spirit baptism, not a water baptism. And again, this is a little bit of review, a little deeper than I thought I'd go. There is neither Jew nor Greek now. There is neither bond nor free now. There is neither male nor female now. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus now, both Jew and Gentile. You are all one in the body of Christ. I mean, how can you not be a dispensationalist after reading a verse like this? I mean, you once were, but now you're not. Obviously, that is a different dispensing. That is God dealing with them in a different way, thus dispensationalism. Um, so under the law, there was Jew and Greek. Under the law, there was bond and free. Under the law, there was male and female, but not now. In the body of Christ, we are all one. And in verse 29, and if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now notice the pronoun is still ye. Therefore, being in Christ, both Jew and Gentile, in this, these Galatian believers, um, they were all, spiritually speaking, Abraham's seed according to the promise, not the law. So they are Abraham's seed, not because of the law, but because of the promise that was given to Abraham some 400 plus years prior to the giving of the law. So Gentile believers are heirs of the promise that God gave to Abraham. Not every promise, certainly not every promise. Um, verse 14 says that this is the blessing of Abraham, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that they might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's the promise that we now partake in as a result of faith. And because of that, ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, the promise that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit through faith, 
So the blessing of Abraham ultimately is the blessing of receiving the promise of the Spirit through faith. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or whether we be Gentiles, whether we be bond, whether we be free, we've all been made to drink into that one Spirit. Therefore, we are spiritually heirs and sons of Abraham. That's what he's saying, and this is what has taken me so long just to get my mind around that, because Paul is bringing it all together now. Now we're one body in Christ. We're neither male or female, bond or free, Jew or Gentile. We're all one in Christ. Now notice in chapter number four. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing, um, from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. So the heir in this verse speaks of Israel in its infancy as a nation when it was considered to be a child. Okay? Remember, the law was given, you know, to preserve the nation. As such, it was kept under the law of the Father until the time appointed of the Father. So, to me, when it talks about um, the time appointed of the Father, it's referring to the first advent, when faith would come, when the seed would come. It is also called the fullness of time, down in verse number four. That is when Christ would come. Okay, um, Paul is using the Roman practice of tutela, or guardianship of a minor, to make his point. Just as a Roman father would appoint guardians, tutors, governors, to manage his child's affairs until he came of age, which in that Roman system was 25, um, he was kept under those tutors and those, those governors until he came of age and he got his inheritance. Now, notice verse 3, even so we, okay, uh, now notice the pronoun, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Again, the we is a reference to the nation, okay? He is referring to their bondage under the law, i.e., the elements of the world, okay? And then verse 4, but when the fullness of time was come, in other words, when Christ came, God sent forth his son. When the time came, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. So the fullness of time was appointed by the Father when Christ was come as prophesied. Now, of course, we know from Daniel chapter 9, verse number 24 through 27, it says exactly when the Messiah would come. Made of a woman speaks of his virgin birth, through Mary, it speaks of the incarnation. It also implies a pre-existence, because notice it's made of a woman. In Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. It, applies pre, it implies pre-existence. Um, in John 1.14, and the word was made flesh. Okay, it implies pre-existence, and he dwelt 
among us, and we beheld his glory. It implies pre-existence. And since Christ was sent to redeem those under the law, he himself had to be born under the law. So Christ was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. So if that should tell you anything, at Christ's birth, they were under the law, and everything he did was for those who were under the law, the Jewish nation. In verse 5, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So Paul here makes an interesting pronoun switch in this verse. He moves from third plus first third person plural they to second plus second person plural we. So the ones who were redeemed were them that were under the law. That we might receive the adoption is referring to the Galatian Gentiles. So to redeem them, I guess that right there, they, that should be them. To redeem the Jewish nation that was under the law, that we who are not under the law might receive the adoption as sons. Again, uh, the they there or the them there cannot be Galatian Gentiles. Why not? Because Galatian Gentiles have never were never under the law. The body of Christ, of which these Galatian Gentiles were a part, were never under the law. Israel is the only nation on earth who has ever been under the law. Therefore, they are the ones who were redeemed from the law. That is why uh, that that is why the kingdom gospel went only to the Jew. They, the Jews, had to be redeemed from the law, and he was their redeemer. Understand, we Gentiles have never been under the law. Therefore, we have no need of redemption from it. Now, again, you know, I mean, we, you know, we run around and we say he is our Goel. He's our kinsman redeemer. He's our redeemer. We've been redeemed. No, the nation of Israel was redeemed. The we Gentiles had no need to be redeemed because we were not under the law. It was not until Paul that we hear anything about Jesus being a ransom for all the world as part of the dispensation of grace. Um, in 1 Timothy, I exhort you, therefore, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority that may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. And to come into the knowledge of the truth, for there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all of us to be testified in due time. And of course, Paul was the testator of that fact. It was only then that salvation could be offered by faith and faith alone, since the seed had come and fulfilled the requirements of of the law. So now by faith, just like Abraham's faith in the promises, we are able to receive the adoption 
as sons. Another way of expressing it is that after Israel had its chance to be, re- to be redeemed from the law, then grace could be offered to the Gentiles by faith as revealed in the mystery to Paul. So now the question arises, has adoption or sonship been given to the nation since they rejected the offer? Um, well, you know, I've been looking at this. Paul refers to waiting for the adoption in Romans 8.23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown in ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. So this adoption that he's talking about here is talking about the redemption of our body. Okay, so that verse doesn't apply. However, Paul, when speaking of the adoption, Romans 9, 4 says, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants. So, Therefore, we must conclude, based on Romans 9, 4, that the adoption and the sonship has been given to the nation. Now, what they do with that, just like they did with that in the Old Testament, um, is yet to be known. But I have to conclude, based on Romans 9, 4, that the adoption and the sonship has been given to the nation. They, to this day, as a result, are being held accountable as heirs of the kingdom. They're still heirs of the kingdom. You know, even though the vast majority, overwhelming of, of majority of them rejected it. Um, doesn't mean they're saved, but they have been redeemed because the price was paid. Whether they accepted it or not, they have been redeemed. Therefore, they have received the sonship and the adoption. They are no longer under the law. Um, there, The law has no effect today whatsoever. None. Today, it's simply the body of Christ made up of Jew and Gentile, neither of which are under the law. That is why we must conclude that redemption was given to Israel. Okay? And we also have to conclude that that redemption and salvation are not one and the same thing. You know, uh, the nation of Israel was redeemed. Um, the when when I say here that that is also why we must conclude that redemption given to Israel and salvation are not the same thing. They're not the same. The first required nothing on their part. Their redemption required nothing. It was already uh, in the mind of God that He was going to redeem the nation. Okay, but the second requires faith on both of our parts. Salvation requires faith. Redemption required nothing. God did that on his own. He was the one that made that deal uh, with Abraham. That was an unconditional covenant that didn't require the nation to do anything. Does that make sense? I hope so. So anyway, just you know, trying to wrap my mind around all of that for the past several months has been tremendous. I, I, I read through it and I go, okay, okay, I got it. And I walk away from it. I don't got it. I, I don't have it. <laughs> so anyway, I began to wrap my mind around it. And, and you know, and, I, and I've talked to other people, you know, they're like, well, you know, you need to believe this. 
Well, I don't need to believe anything, okay? Uh, I want to believe the truth. I want to rightly divide the word of truth. And until I understand that, until I grasp that, it's not going to be mine. And if it's not mine, I'm, I'm certainly not going to push it on somebody else. Not until it becomes mine. Um, so anyway, I hope you're growing and going just like I am. You're learning like I am. Hopefully, you know, now that I've got past this part, uh, we'll keep, I've already worked my way through the entirety of chapter four and chapter five. It, it really goes downhill from here as far as the the grasping on my part, just to be able to say that, that we are spiritual heirs, we're spiritual adoption, we're spiritually adopted as sons was a tremendous hurdle for me to get to, but it really came from a, a proper understanding of the pronouns when Paul switched there, and now I grasp it. So now, now, I'm, on, now I'm back on track. So anyway, God bless you guys. Um, remember always, God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good.